This is a podcast about failure. With me, Lola Berry, author, nutritionist, and yoga teacher. Join me as we get to know these guests and learn about how their failures have ultimately shaped their dreams. Welcome to Fearlessly Failing with Lola Berry. Hello, it's Lola Berry here. I am so excited for you to meet this next guest. Her name is Steph Prem. She is an icon in the health and wellness space. She's got an amazing Pilates and wellness hub called Studio PP here in Melbourne. But before all of that, she was an Olympic snowboarder and she was really on her way to the top when she broke her back. And she has been such an awesome guest because she shared really openly the failure of that and the both physical and the mental struggles of coming through that. And the thing that I think I love most about Steph is that she's so comfortable sitting in the failure. Steph Prem blew me away and I hope she does the same for you too. Enjoy. Okay, hello. I am effing nerd. We actually we can say the f word on here, but I am so scared to have you sitting in my chair. For people listening, so for people listening, this is Steph Prem. So Steph Prem is a mate of mine, and I was like, oh, sick. She's going to be a first person that's going to be epic on the podcast. Welcome, by the way. Sorry, I have, you're just sitting there Hi. and I'm like speaking about you Thank too. you. Thank you for having me. My God, what an intro. Well, this is the thing. Until I booked you for this, right, mm. I was like, oh, this is going to be really chill. This is going to be really easy because we're mates already. I thought that's what we were doing. Then I, Well, <laughs> then I stalked you, right? Oh, God. This is what I love. It gives you permission to stalk anyone yes, that wants to do a podcast. that's true. And I was like, holy fuck, this girl has done so much not to mention, like, the trials and tribulations that you've had, like, as well. Um, and just to preface, this podcast is a podcast that explores failure. I mm. think that Instagram, I think that social media is a highlight reel and that's all good and wonderful mm-hmm. and um, very positive, but I think it's actually the failures are the things that make us. So... I'm going to give a quick little taste of what I've learned about you in oh my stalking. God, and now I'm nervous. Yeah. <laughs> That's making me feel a lot better. So first of all, you are you were, sorry, a winter Olympian. Is that correct? Correct. Um, five-time Australian champ. Once upon a time, yes. Oh my, I feel like I've done my research. <laughs> well done. Um, obviously, you're a speaker. You're like a wellness ambassador. You are the owner, founder, director of Studio PP. Yes. So it's kind of like a wellness hub. Yes, I would say an all-inclusive wellness space, you know, urban wellness space. And I was doing my research in more than 50 classes a week. Correct. Where you, when and where, well, I'm sure you sleep here, but we're in <laughs> Steph's apartment. Um, where you sleep is fucking, when you sleep is beyond me because you do not stop. It's limited. It's limited. I'm not going to lie. Sleep when I'm dead. So... <sighs> Here's the thing. 
yeah, we're mates. We've done a few talks together. I met you probably seven years ago when you came up to SIDS. I was trying to work that out. Yes. It's got to be. Seven, eight years ago. Easily. So I feel like it was like a pop-up because you were launching Studio PP in Mouths. Is that right? Correct. Correct. And I came up to Sydney to sort of launch. I, I guess that was when I was transitioning from sport into sort of more the health and wellness space specifically outside of sport. So I was doing the tour around sort of Melbourne, and this Australia. Six years? How, how old's PP? Uh, PP, the studio now, the new studio PP is four years old. The business itself is eight years old. So that's when we would have first crossed yeah. paths? Oh, yeah. my God. Exactly. But then we went away on a retreat together. Correct. Fast, like a little while after mm. that. And I remember my, one of my first memories of you, we had this kind of like dinner thing the night before and you're like, oh, I'm a glutard. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this chick's a bloody legend. I can't eat gluten either. That's when we worked out we are meant to be besties. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So basically the reason why I'm quite nervous about this and I thought, fuck, I love talking. I could talk underwater. You know this about me. You're kind of the same. Um but it's it's because you've done so freaking much. So, yes, I real, totally want to talk to you about Studio PP. I'm lucky enough to even teach for you a I bit know. of yin yoga. You're and at do. the studio at the moment. It's wonderful. Our clients adore you. Oh, but also Fridays, 9.30. I come to your yoga class. I come to your Pilates. You do. We're exchanging. <laughs> and it says a lot, I think, about Lola that she gets me to go to yoga every week because yoga is something you know, we can talk about that later, but something I really struggle with and always have with not just physically but mentally struggled with yoga. And now I go every Wednesday to your class. But I think this is also there is a yoga and Pilates kind of rivalry. It's like east side, yes. west side, east side, south side, all that. It's so bananas. People completely forget that they're complementary to each other. <laughs> Big time. Absolutely. Big time. Yeah. So you've got this phenomenal business, which I'm pumped to talk about, but oh, this is where the nerves have come from for me. I did some Googling and I see like Halle boarding. Next minute I'm on YouTube <laughs> sending Steph videos of like this shop movie called Point Break of like. That was a ridiculous scene. Scene, by the way. Google but, it, by the way, though. Yeah. Amaze. Yeah. No, it's not. It's so, if you actually ski or snowboard, you would not be impressed by that, that really? scene at all. It's so fake. Is it? Damn yes. it. I looked at it and I it's was not like, fake. It's fake. It's very, very real in the sense they've, they've obviously used stunt doubles and that's what heli boarding looks like. You get dropped on a cliff and you get you come off the top of a mountain and there's no, you know, no support whilst you're up there. You're literally dropped in the middle of nowhere. So that part of it's all correct. Yes, that's what we used to do. Yeah, I do a lot of that. Yeah. So so this is what, like, like as for me personally, I learned to snowboard for the first time last year. Yes. And so, and I'm like a Gumby. Anybody that's like over 30 and learning to snowboard, I'm sure that's a very, like, advantageous thing to do. Yes. So when I found out that this about you, because I always knew you were Steph, the Pilates queen, you know, I knew you had this history of being, you know, a Winter Olympian, but I thought, oh, yeah, like she's just a cool chick. That's all I really, that's my judgment of you basically, like a legend. I'm so glad we're friends based on that. Yeah, just like you're a cool chick. (laughs) Then I start researching and I'm like, you, so you competed at an Olympic level and you broke your back. That was how I left sport, yes. So I kind of want to, before we get to that, I just want to know a little bit like, I think you started skiing, Buller was like, how, tell me how you got into snowboarding. Yeah, I think it's uh, coming from Australia especially because we are so much 
of a summer destination, not known for winter sports. Um, we're kind of being a snowboarder coming from Australia is kind of like being on the Jamaican bobsled team. Uh, it just doesn't uh, come naturally here and it's obviously it's a, it's a lot harder to get into the sport and not as accessible. Obviously, if you've grown up in Austria or Switzerland with, you know, chairlifts and mountains in, in your backyard. So I was just lucky enough to... Um, grow up going to the snow with my family. They, they, my parents were really into it. And then um, my my mum was a mad skier, my dad was a mad skier, and then took up snowboarding in the 80s when snowboarding first came out. And um, they got me this little mini snowboard for like when I was like 12. And it was a secondhand board from another family that we knew. And I just, it was just, I loved it. I just really took to it very quickly. But by no means did I ever think, I was going on to have a professional career in this sport. It was just, and still is, something I do with my family. It's, it was just our weekend, we were these weekend warriors that would just go up to the snow and loved it. We enjoyed it. It's such an ageless sport. It's something you can do, anyone can do it. You know, you just picked it up last year and it's had so fun. It's so liberating. It's such a great sport. Um, you know, my dad's uh, going on 65 and he still snowboards. You know, my mum's in her early 60s and she still skis and my younger sister is in her late 20s and we snowboard together. It's just something we've always done as a family. So I read this about you that like you were snowboarding with your dad and you beat him to the bottom of the mountain <laughs> and you were like TikTok. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. That is the day that dad says to this day, he got interviewed like pre-Olympics, and they were like, hey, you know, did you ever, did you think you, you know, your your daughter was going to make it to the Olympics? And my parents are hilarious because they're like, oh, we just kind of supported her sports career because we just kind of kept her out of trouble. Like, we had no <laughs> idea that it was going to go on to be what it was. Um, bless them. But then dad said there was this moment, this is around the time I, I think I got that little snowboard that, because um, we used to always race, I think that, you know, I'm very competitive naturally. And, um, you know, he, he'd always obviously beat me to the bottom and he just said this one day, he got to the bottom of the lift and I was sitting there looking at my watch going, <laughs> you know, Daddy, and have to get, get a little quicker on that next round. And he was like, oh, my God, she's 11. <laughs> yeah, I so, think there's some talent here. So. Is that when it kind of started to get a bit more? It's funny, like very late to start a sports career. I really didn't start competing till I was properly, till I was 15, 16. And, uh, again, it was totally out of love and joy and this competitive nature and outlet for my white line fever and I just, I, I loved it and I loved all the people I met and obviously I got to start travelling because I was competing. So it was just very different to, I guess, your everyday school life and it was exciting um, and I started doing okay. So, you know, therefore I was lucky to have a family that were happy to get in their car and drive six, seven hours on the weekends to drive you to an event and do things. Um, and I guess just one thing led to another. My parents were always pretty keen on me finishing high school though, so it was never really... Th- I never really thought it would be a profession. I just, I did it and I loved it and I was sort of, like you said, Australian champion for quite a while, so that was it. I just, I didn't really think beyond that. I didn't think big picture until I went to university when I left school and realised university wasn't for me. Yeah. And I went, oh, hang on a minute, I think I'm in the wrong place here. I love what you say, how you say, like, you did it because you were passionate about it as opposed to this has to be my career. And yeah. I think 
that's where success lies, when you're doing it just because it's like, holy shit, this is in my heart. There's this mm. yogi word, yes. dharma. And it's like yes. when you're on purpose and doing something that like fills you up and then you've got that kind of like determination that it's almost like it comes from somewhere else. I, I honestly still struggle to find it. It's When I'm on a mountain, there's something else in me that I find and I just was lucky to have that as part of my life for a very long time. It, I have a weird question about it. Mm. Um, because it is a winter sport, mm. I'm guessing either did you have like an off-season, like did you not train in the summer or did you train all year round because you were all were you chasing the snow? Oh, uh, chasing the snow. So I, I didn't have a summer for 11 years. Holy mackerel. <laughs> so it's bizarre. Yeah, I chased I chased the chased the northern winters and then I would come back here so this Australian seasons would be my off season because the events overseas were what counted towards Olympic points or qualifying points um, for championships um, and World Cups and that kind of thing. So overseas, the northern winter was always my my training ground, and then I would and my competing ground, and then I would come back here and have my off season. But I would have to compete in Australia because you need to have your Australian rankings and titles, so you'd have to still work here um, and, and and compete, but I would essentially use that. I would be in the gym every day. I would be training 40 hours a week and that would be my training time. Yeah. And then I would move overseas and go competing from sort of December through March every year and then you wouldn't be training as hard. That's when you'd sort of taper off and that's when I'd be competing for three, four months back-to-back back straight and just travelling around, living on the road, out of a suitcase, on the on the, like, on the mountain to a mountain to mountain, competing. Yeah, very different. So there's something about that Olympic mindset that I don't like. I, I Obviously I'm not an Olympian in anything, but I imagine that you have this kind of like single point of focus. I, I mean, well said. I think you definitely, tunnel vision is something that comes naturally to I think a lot of Olympic. I mean, I'm in business now and I say that I think there's a lot of um, transferable skills from you know, from professional athletes and Olympians to entrepreneurs because I think there's just a, a level of of um, determination and hard work and that sort of A-type personality uh, that um, will suit suit you later in life in business where you cannot compete at that level of sport without it. So the only other thing I wonder that feels like a, uh, like, the opposite is like when I was learning to snowboard, you'd go to like the, you go to your chalet, you get changed at night, then everybody be partying. Is there that a party lifestyle with snowboarding? I think very much so. It's a lifestyle sport essentially. Skiing and snowboarding is a a lifestyle sport. So there's very much in like in a lot of sporting cultures, there's a culture outside of the sport. Um, But as an athlete, it very much was not not about that. You know, it was funny and I even remember when I started really competing, like I was going, I missed qualification for the 2006 Winter Olympics Mm -hmm. and I was young and I had no idea I had the skills, the qualities or what it took to be an Olympian. So not qualifying was kind of what taught me that I could give it another four years and have the qualities to go to an Olympics. So sort of that next four years to get to the, to actually qualify for the 2010 Olympics was sort of what taught me, um, I guess, what it, takes uh, to, to get to that yeah. level. But it was funny because I remember a lot of people back here because you've only they've only seen that side of it, that lifestyle side mm. of skiing and snowboarding, just assumed I was like a lot of other young kids that would go do a season overseas or was yeah. being a lifty or teaching snowboarding or they would ask me like, but what are you doing for work over there? And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not working, I'm I'm sponsored, I'm, I'm a, you know, professional athlete, which at 
21. I didn't know how to say that. I didn't know how to say that to people. Um, and, and it was, so there was a lot of um, reverse conversations when I did qualify for the Olympics. People were like, wow, I had no idea. <laughs> That's what you're really doing. Yeah. yeah so, but how sick to learn that at that age. Would, yeah. Would you, call, would you have called yourself and would you still call yourself, if that's the case, an adrenaline junkie? Would you say that's oh, within you? Hands yeah. down. Yeah. 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 No, absolutely. Yeah. Because, like, like, say you're an Olympic swimmer or something, like, that's like discipline. You're yes. looking at this black line every day. Yes. Whereas what you're doing, there's like this very big element of danger thrown into it. So I imagine that there's like this sense of like adrenaline for sure, like almost like a big wave surfer or I, something like that. I think so. And it probably says a lot about me as a person in, <laughs> in general. <laughs> like, I, like I, my parents always joke, they're like, we just really wish you could have been good at like tennis or golf. It would have been like a lot easier. Um, and it would have been a lot more successful in Australia. Like if I had been like a top 20 qualified like athlete in the world in those sports, you'd know about it, you know, but in winter sports and especially in Australia, no one cares. So it's very different. Whereas I just, I feel like, you know, a lot of summer sports, there's boundaries like a tennis court, you work within a framework, like you said, swimming down a line, that kind of thing. Like for me, the sport came from passion. The event itself, Border Cross, was always an X Games event and then transferred into an Olympic event. So it is for the adrenaline junkie. It's for, you know, athletes, a lot of the athletes on tour that I was lucky to spend my half my career with came from different kinds of sports and brought themselves into this sport because it was just an outlet for speed, for height, for air, for competitiveness, for, um, you know, it's always, it's got an element of camaraderie because yeah. you're competing with, you're on course with six, five others at a time. There's six of us going down the same course at the exact same time racing for the same finish line. So there has to be something a little bit crazy in you. Oh, no, I love it. I I, I love it. I like it, as I was like delving more. I was like, I want. I wonder if she's skydived and have you skydived? By <laughs> the way, I've definitely skydived. Yes. Did you love it? Yes, I loved it. I've it's done the it best a few, thing I've done. I've done it a few times. I loved it. Did you love? <gasps> I loved it. My now I actually and you sent me a video last night of you uh, snowboarding through Canada. Yes, and I was like, imagine doing it there because I've heard if you if you skydive over snowy peaked mountains, it's like an optical illusion, and you think you're going to. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, so I've thought always Queenstown would be pretty sick. So I have done Queenstown. I just didn't know about the optical illusion. So, so I you think I, you're going to hit the mountain apparently? That's yes, you do. You feel a lot closer to the surface than yeah. you do if you're over water, for example, yeah. or over... Yes, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. But yeah. I, I, I'm probably more comfortable in the mountains. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah I'm course. scared of deep water. So that's like fun fact. I Like I'm all about frozen water and mountains. I, that really? is me. Yeah, I'm not very good in... It's why I just, I think I was born in the wrong country. Summer sports don't serve me. Can I, I did not bother me. I didn't have a summer. For can I, years. I know you're such a go-getter with your career. Can I just put out like a little in your five-year plan? Yeah. Someone should make a movie about you. I mean, Cool Runnings did so oh my good. God, cool <laughs> cool no. Runnings was no. great. Like the little Absolutely Aussie chick not. that like Absolutely. did the sport that no one was celebrating <laughs> in Australia goes off. And, and that takes me to Vancouver in 2010, was yes. it? Yes. I was going to say, if anyone should write that, that should be about my dear friend Tora because she's had a lot more successful snow career than I have and she really, really put... This is Tora Bright? Tora Bright, yeah. Um, so um, obviously Australian Olympian and she um, has really... She's an international face of snowboarding. She really put Australians on the map for snowboarding. So if any, anyone deserves their... Mate, um, don't sell yourself short. You are my superhero <laughs> in a movie. Um, so, yeah, I want you to take me to Vancouver. Sure. Because... So that was... 
was the Winter Olympics in 2010? That was the Winter Olympics. 2010, yes. And did you injure yourself there? I did. This wasn't the accident Mm. that ended my career, but I had a horrific accident um, in Vancouver. Um, Long and involved story short, I think nothing can prepare you for that moment uh, where you're standing in the gate, (laughs) you know, that ready, set, go moment. And I had this incredible mentor in the lead up to the games, Danny Roach, who was um, an Australian Olympian also, but hockey player, completely different sport, but she'd been to a few Olympics and so she just could help with the mindset and the, I guess, the build-up and approach. And she, I never forget her saying to me, and she was like, I can help you. I can help you with everything down to the down to the nth degree of how you can train for the Olympics, but I can never prepare you for that moment when you stand in the gate and represent your country. No one can. And I remember her saying it to me and it just didn't really resonate at the time. And then I remember standing in the gate at the Olympics and I'd like, by, at this stage I'd been to the toilet eight times because I was so nervous. Mm. Nothing can oh, prepare yes, you. Side note, moment. I love talking about poo, so you can totally talk about <laughs> poo with me. So it's a handy fact about nutrition. Oh, God, I, cu- I couldn't. I couldn't. No, I was too nervous. Absolutely yeah, not. Really? No, God, no. And the, the funny thing was, that every time, because they've got these portaloos at the top of the course, yeah. you know, it, how, how fancy at the Olympics. Um, and every time I went to the bathroom, I saw a bunch of other girls, my competitors, also lining up for the bathroom. And it was just so good. It was just that moment of we're all human, we're all here doing the same thing. Every, it doesn't matter if you're number one in the world, you know, you're, you know I, I went into the Olympics qualifier, I think I was 17th in the world when I went to the Games and I'd been finishing in that sort of top 15 mark all season, like that 11th, 12th. Like my only goal was to break the 10. You know, everyone's like, you can't say that. You've got to go to the Olympics to win. And I, I was like, I, I knew... I mean, I'd take a win, (laughs) but I knew I wasn't good enough. Like I knew I wasn't, I hadn't broken that top 10 fold. Once you break the top 10 in the world, then you go for the top five, you go for the win, you know, but I was, I was on that cusp and it's really, it was really hard to break into the top 20 in the world. It was really hard to break the top 15. So for me, that next kind of like. And it sounds like realistic chunk size bites of goals as well. Yeah. And I I think like anything in life, like you short-term goals, long-term goals, you know, Anyway, realistically, I, I went there. But long and involved story short, I, I pulled out of the gate. Um, at the top of the course, they have these huge screens where you can watch everyone in front of you going down and some people obviously choose to watch, some people don't. It's great to watch the split seconds. It's good to see what lines people are taking because it's just a qualifying run. You've is got a, to qualify. Is a line, sorry, what they're doing is they're running, doing the run. The yeah. course, for yeah. example, yeah. So Border Cross, which was my event, is kind of like a giant obstacle course. Yes, you know. Yeah. On, so the, jumps, on speed, jumps, bumps, rails, turns, berms. Okay, no rails. Okay, um, uh, some might call it rail, like those big turns, but technically no, like metal rails. It's all built out of snow. It's essentially like a motocross course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Motocross, you know, motocross on snow, six people at once, but you have to do an individual qualifier. You have to do two runs. So first run, I just had to put a time down because I needed to qualify to get through to the next round. And um, you had to be, you had to be qualified top 22 in the world just to make it to the Olympics. And then they only take the next 16 and then they cut from there. So my goal, I just had to be sitting in that, you know, that top 16. And then I really wanted to break the top 10. First run, I'd watched my three favourite you know, most admired riders in front of me go down and kill themselves in the qualifying run. Like one blew her hip, one blew her elbow, and one was just taken off in a in a stretcher. All right. And these girls are best in the world. Like these are the Canadians, the Austrians, the Swiss. Like I, 
So I was, that. hence why I'd been to the toilet. I was shitting bricks at this mm-hmm. point. I was like, just put a good run down. My coach was like, just put a good run down. Anyway, first run I got through, it's very safe, but I finished in 11th. And I was like, oh my God, I can almost taste it. Like I'm so yeah. close to that top 10. And I got to the top, my coach was mortified. He was like, it was slow. It wasn't good enough. Like it was safe, but you've got to pull it yeah. through on this next run. And you know, when you read, like, I read biographies, I love a good bi- yeah. a biography, like uh, an uh, autobiography, sorry. And when I was going to the Olympics, I was reading all these athletes' autobiographies just for the mindset. Yeah, of just, course. Like everyone watches sport. I love sport, but I watch the backstories. Yeah. I love the athletes. Yeah. I love, you know. Anyway, so I got in the gate and I had that moment that you read about in all those books where they're like, it just it goes quiet. It just goes quiet. And all of a sudden it's just you and it's the course and you just, you're in the zone and you just pull out and it's just tunnel vision, like you were saying, and you're doing it. And I could feel it and I felt it under my feet. I felt it in, you know, in my waters. I was like, this is the run. And it was smoother and it was better than any of my training runs. And I was definitely carrying more speed because I was clearing the jumps a lot easier and I could just feel I was, I had better rhythm. And I was like, come on. It meant so much, you know, to me at that point. Because it doesn't matter how many people you have around you. Once you get to the Olympics, you're on your own. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you are on your own. So and you, you've got this, you know, internal dialogue that's talking to you the whole way down the course. Um, you have to coach yourself essentially down the course. You've got this next turn. This bank looks like this. It feels like that. Stay on your feet, you know, everything. And I came round. There was this one little double feature. And by double, I mean you had to – there's two little jumps and you have to double them, go over them at the same time. And I came up – just this wee bit short on this double. And I was like, ooh, 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 save your feet. Like I, let, I got it. But then the next one, it means I came up short again. Yeah. So the third one, I came up way short. And then over the next jump, I just like absolutely ate shit. And literally just, I, I must have, I just knocked out for a second or two. Um, and I, I, it turns out I blew a few ribs. Like I winded myself completely, just blew out. I went down to the bottom of the course um, obviously they help you off the course. I wasn't allowed to finish the course because I'd missed a gate at this point, so you're done. You just It's mm-hmm. a DQ. Um, so it only what's, it, what's a D, uh, disqualification? Okay. Disqualification. So they means they have to take your first run, the time okay. from your first run. And I was still sitting in 11th, so yeah. I was like, okay, I just need to hold on to that. Yeah. And then I went down the bottom, and so, so from my second run I was now sitting in uh, 13th. And I was yeah. like, okay, I'm still in the mix. I'm still in the yeah. mix. I have to finish top 16. But and you've done ribs at this stage of the game. Like I've broken ribs, yourself. but I'm not focused on that yeah. at this stage. I was like, oh, I'm racing. Like, get yeah. just keep me in. Yeah. And you get to the bottom and there's obviously there's those huge screens with yeah. everyone's name, names on it and then you watch and you count down and there was literally only four or five riders to go for the day for qualifying. And I just watched myself go from 13th, 14th, <gasps> 15th, 16th, 17th because the course was just running so much better the second run. I felt it. Everyone felt it. Everyone put in a better run because everyone had been so safe and I missed qualifying by literally (gasps) one person. It was heartbreaking. Oh, dude. (laughs) So how? Oh, fuck. Yeah. So, I mean, look, I've spent a lot of money on time on therapy now. Yeah, of course, of course. (laughs) with it now. But at the time it was... At the time, it was horrendous. You, you know. sharing that story actually reminds me of that first talk I was at that you, in uh. Sydney that you came to and you said when you're standing at the gates, mm. you, that you have this moment and you're like, have I done everything I that I possibly can? can? And I remember you saying like you just want to know that you've done everything that I can and I took that away as like, just I think as anyone, whether you want to be an Olympian or not or whether you want to write a so book or whether you want to... No. 
you know, uh, open an amazing health space, you know, I think that feeling of going, you know what, I've given this my heart. I've given this everything Mm. physically, mentally, emotionally. I've given it everything. It's that, I remember that moment, that penny drop moment. It's like that is like a gem. Like if you can live with that, like obviously, sure, in the moment you would have felt horrible and you would have just watched yourself and it would have been like someone's just stabbing you in the heart every mm. time you're seeing your name drop, I can imagine. Mm. So my my neck... But you can't control... I, I did do everything in that moment that I could of have and, course. you know, things happen for a reason. But, um, you know, it, I'm very, very at peace with it these days and still very proud of where I finished and oh, mate, what I achieved. Most I'm, people don't even get to the gate. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, it's a nice way to look at it. So yeah, seriously, you yeah. are you are like this is one thing, like take a moment, like, like, and that's when why coming in here to interview I got quite nervous because I was like, shit, this girl's done heaps and not just like heaps of living, like we're the exact same age. We're literally just two two months apart yeah. pretty much. And shout out, just birthday, it was last week. <laughs> Happy birthday, Cancerian. 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 Um, but uh, you and I get along because I think we <laughs> we feel like old souls in, in a young body. Yeah. Oh, we deal with so many dingoes. <laughs> lived a life. We've lived a life. But So my next question is how soon was Vancouver to Italy? Because that was World Cup, right? Yes. Yeah, so I, I, I think... Um, People don't know the Olympics sit in the middle of the season, so okay. people think it's like the finale, and it's not. It's it's one of the events that counts towards your world ranking, and it sits in the middle of the season. So, coming off the back of the Olympics, you can imagine I was a little disheartened. Um, that's under <laughs> an yeah. understatement at the time, and I was very injured. I'd broken a few ribs, and I just wasn't in a great place. And about six weeks later was World Cup finals, and I was determined to go to World Cup finals. I wanted to finish the season off. I'd, it'd been the biggest four years of my life getting to that point. So I missed one of the events, um, but I really wanted to go to finals. And um, I, I just, I felt I had something to prove. And look, this is a big lesson I've learned later in life, but you know, I and, and this is where I had my injury and this is where it all ended for me, but I stopped racing for myself that day. It became about what I was trying to prove. And I was so upset about what I didn't get to achieve at the Olympics that it, it became about showing, trying to prove what kind of snowboard I was and the athlete that I could be and whatever. Which is also understandable. Totally. I guess a very understandable mindset. But, I, you know, and I I learn even these days we all do it to ourselves where we, you know, there's no point, you know, trying to prove something to others. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got to walk the walk, talk the talk yourself. And I just, I lost that for a moment and the passion went out of it. It was Mm -hmm. all about finishing that season and getting through that Mm -hmm. last race and, and proving something and, Unfortunately, I, I, I truly believe that's why I hurt myself that day because I just I wasn't in my normal state. I wasn't um, riding with authenticity. I wasn't riding with purpose. Like you said earlier, it's, it, it, it became me- mechanical. It yeah. became a race. It became, was, yeah, it was gone. And when I read this, I lost my shit. Was it a 60-foot jump that you, when you did yeah, it? Yes. Holy Fuck. Uh, yes, it was a very large kicker that I came off, jump that I came off. Um, it's and look to be, and like you said, it is an it's an action sport. But when we when we it's in that sport, we're hitting those kind of jumps. There, it's calculated to hmm. a point because we have hit them before. It's not like yeah, you, you just got to have the right speed. Yes, I read. Well done. <laughs> You've really done your research. I'm such a nerd. I'm so impressed. <laughs> you know, you 
wax your board and you get it running to match the temperature of the snow and that's how you get your speed. And so you do all of that and, and you, you know, there's so many factors that go into getting it right on the day. And essentially it comes down to having, like in a lot of sports, I believe, in having a lot of self-belief and a, and a huge set of balls because on the day you just have to turn up and do the best you can and you're only as good as your last race. So, and, and you know, that goes so much for business now, like a lot of the stuff we do, you know, you still have to turn up and you still have to perform and you still have to do a good job um, and, and stay true to yourself. So I just, anyway, I, I'd been riding the course all morning. Uh, it was a very challenging course by no means to set you know, but just to paint you a picture, a lot of the athletes were injuring themselves, male and female. So the girls race on the same course as the males. Holy, so, always? Always. So wow. when the boys in training... Same I, amount of prize money, I hope? Uh, there actually is in, oh, in snowboarding, which is cool. There's not a lot of it <laughs> in general. Okay. But it matches. It's yeah. You know, we kill it. We killed ourselves. Like these these guys, like, you know, the, the top, even the top five in the world, you know, you still only win 10, 15 grand at a World oh, Cup. Wow. There's no money in it. It's passion. It's sport. Yeah. It's heart. It's love. Yeah. You know, but, but, you know, action sports heroes make their money out of sponsorships. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily out of the, the game and the race mm-hmm. itself, but I anyway. I came around the last turn. I'd race. I'd run the course a few times. The top of the course felt great. The bottom of the course was sketchy. A lot of the boys were saying the run, the last jump before the finish line doesn't feel great, mm-hmm. and they weren't making it. So if the boys they have more weight, they have more speed than us, and they're not making it, you know, it's it's it puts it puts a shady little image in your head as as a female because we just know we're not carrying the same speed. So we often would chase the boys down to get an idea of speed. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the girls were pulling off the course because um, this jump was so treacherous. So my coach had said, only hit the jump if you know you have the speed. Do not go near it otherwise. And so all morning I'd avoid the jump, avoided the jump. And in my last training run, Murphy's Law, last training run of the day, last race of the season, last jump before the finish line, last feature, everything, right? I came around the turn. It was a big, so carrying a lot of speed. You're carrying up to 60, you know, 60K an hour coming around the last turn. And I felt it. And I was like, no, no, I've definitely got the speed. I feel good. I haven't felt like this in the other training runs. And I saw the jump. But what I hadn't accounted for was the fact that a lot of us were been pulling off all morning. So it had left a big dent yeah. in the course where everyone was pulling off the course. So it just didn't allow for it. But in my head, I'd committed to hit to hitting the jump, which you have to do when yeah. you're going to hit a 60-foot yeah. jump. Like, you have to be committed. But then under my feet, I felt the boom, boom, boom from, the, from oh. where we'd all been cutting off. And I should have known. I was one of the people cutting off the course all morning. And I just lost a lot of speed when I hit the, the bump. And But in my head, I was already like, no, no, I've got this. I'm going to hit it. But I'd lost a lot of speed. Anyway, I came off the jump and in the air, literally in the air, I was like, oh, I'm fine. Like, and, and that's never happened to me before. Like I said, it's normally really calculated. You just know, you feel the speed under your feet, you, you feel pretty good, you go for it. In the air, it's literally like I came up, my physio explains it, like coming out of a first floor building to concrete. Yeah. I just came up and stopped and I missed the landing and I came up short. I came up like metres and metres short of the landing. So I had no transition, no rollout, nothing. I hit flat um, and my left-hand side of my body took the, fo- took the hit and I, um, you know, I fractured... Um, my lower spine, I did severe damage to my pelvis, I dislocated my hip, I broke five ribs, I tore my hamstring, I um, did like a severe spinal whiplash and upper cervical damage. Like it was, it was, it's essentially like a car accident, like just the whiplash 
Was Did you the, black out as it happened? Yes, yeah. When, as I hit the ground, yes. Yeah, yeah I KO'd. Yeah. <gasps> um, but I remember it. Like I, when I came to, I was in a lot of pain. So I remember the accident itself. Um, but, yeah, I was definitely out for a moment because I, I, hit, I hit the deck pretty hard. I saw a photo of you and your whole back is just bru- like blood bruises. Oh, yes. Like, yeah, I wasn't allowed to fly because I was in Europe. I wasn't allowed to fly home for two months because of the hematomas. Yeah, far. Mm. Mm, you can't fly yeah. with blood clots. Mm. Of course. Mm. Holy. So, that was the beginning, of, the beginning of an end or the end of a new beginning essentially. Well, not to be a Debbie Downer here, but because this is themed around failing, I imagine. Which I love, yeah. Well, I imagine that would have felt like a huge failure at the time. How do you start to, because you would have been, what, 24? 24, yeah, 24. So that's pretty a young, that's a young age to lose everything you've worked. Like that would have been your life. Mm. Like I, I think for me it definitely it was harder mentally than it was physically, even though the, the injury itself was quite debilitating um, and horrendous and, and it still gives me troubles to this day. Like eight years later I still have severe back pain. But um, the just mentally what it did to me, it shook me to my core because I just wasn't ready to walk away from sport. I hadn't made that decision on my own. So that for me I think was the hardest part, coming to the realisation that I wouldn't compete again not something I was ready for. Um, and it didn't matter who told me or what specialist I went to or how many opinions I seeked. Everyone was like, we just don't think you should race again. And I, I just couldn't hear that from someone else. So it took me, you know, I, I was off my snowboard for two years, which nearly killed me um, because I just couldn't. Um, and the injury took a lot longer than I thought. Like, ironically, I now teach Pilates, but I back in the day, I could not even get through a 20-minute Pilates session without being in horrendous amounts of pain. Mm. Um, you know, the the shock, the anxiety, the stress of it all is, is, is pretty overbearing. But at the time I was just in it. I was just riding it. So I probably didn't understand the severity of it. The fact that I wanted to go back to snowboarding got me through it, mm-hmm. I think, because I, there was light at the end of the tunnel. So my question is, like, for me, uh, most people know my history is eating disorder and, mm. and binge eating and whatnot. So if something's not right in my life, I try to self-medicate. Yes. To this day, like, I have a therapist oh. to help me through that. So yes. I'm like, shit day. And, I'll, and I'll, I can push really push the envelope. Like, in the past, I could really go to town on really abusing my body. Mm. How did you, I imagine you may not have had a therapist at that stage of your life. Um, I, it's funny because I never had a sports psychologist for sport, but I got a sports psychologist when I broke my back, oh, <laughs> when I had girl. my injury, and and not by my own choice. I was um, I, I was at the Victorian Institute of Sport at the mm-hmm. time, and I, I, they were amazing to me, helping me through my recovery. But I, speaking of self medicating, I was I had a massive like, and this is no secret, painkiller addiction for years because, when, and I didn't even realize I had one. I was just that's what in it the doctors were giving me, and I was in so much pain that I just kept taking the medication. So I didn't realize that at twenty four you shouldn't be taking oxycodone to operate by day and Valium to go to sleep at night, and and you know two years into that journey, I had to come to a very you know a, a realization. Myself that I, I don't want to. I don't want to be twenty five, twenty six. You know, however old I was, not being able to function like a regular human. And I used to dance, and I used to surf, and I used to be this action sports, you know, junkie. And I couldn't do any of it. I could, just couldn't do any of it. So you were medicated every day for how many years? Almost two years. Shit. Mm. And it was actually an incredible coach of mine. Um, 
shout out to Crooksy at the time that kind of pulled me up on it and he was like, I just, I don't think you should keep coming to the gym and training until we get your head and your body in a better space. And he referred me to an unreal um, sports psychologist who, and I know I'd had bad um, history with sports psychologists just because I, I'm such an A-type personality that I'd always had these psychologists that wanted me to calm down yeah. and <laughs> yeah. you know, be a little calmer and maybe you shouldn't listen to Britney Spears and Ministry of Sound before you <laughs> compete. Maybe that's revving you up too much. <laughs> Have you thought about listening to some, you know, and it just... Om shanti, it, shanti. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, and, you know, you should take up med- meditation, you know, and at 17 that wasn't working for me um, and, and I didn't understand, you know, I'm a very different person today. Um, and, and I'm, I, you know, I mean, I'm into everything today. I've gone the completely other direction. But um, at the time I couldn't hear any of that. And then I was introduced to this sports like who literally helped me turn my life back around and reframe failure. And, um, you know, I mean, failure is inevitable, inevitable anyway. So I'm, I'm all about failure. I know th- people think it's such a negative word. It's so not. So when you were like, I'm doing a podcast about failure, I was like, yes. They, do you know Gary V says the most successful people, he ch- they chase failure. Like yes. they look forward to fucking up basically. Yeah. One thing you just touched on that I, I just quickly want to dissect, um, it took you a while to find the right fit with a psychologist. So I think if people listening are like, oh, I'm mm. thinking of getting a therapist or seeing someone, like it's taken, it took me to find a good one a few years of like try, like, try them on, give them a few sessions because it, it does take a bit, especially with A-type personalities, I know you're one, I know I'm one, it takes a bit to find that kind of, because it becomes a relationship. It's a relationship. You need to find someone that can un- understands mm-hmm. You know your way of living. Like my guy trains, um, trained Sam Solomon. Like fight yes, fighters, yes, like yes. people that are like A type. And I Up think and go. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with celebrating being an A type. I think any if you try to like be like, well, you just need to meditate more. I feel like punching someone in the face. <laughs> my boyfriend loves meditating. He's like, can you meditate with me? And I'm like, oh shit, I should have walked I back love in the bedroom. That. <laughs> but I do it. I do I it. Same, and I struggle with it. It's so <laughs> challenging. Oh, so the challenge is real. This brings me to like the ne- the I guess the steps that I got to know, and this is like the wellness steps. Yeah. It's like, you know, you're, you're a mogul. You know, you're a, you've got uh, this incredible space. You know, it's such a dream. Like I've taught at quite a few different places. It's such a dream to teach at PP, not just because it's like a sick, cool studio, but because you've built a community that give a shit. <laughs> That's such a nice way of putting it. You know? We do often say it's a fuckwit-free zone. Yes, very much so, stupid <laughs> if I'm allowed to say that. Can we have um, that for all areas of life? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm, yeah, oh, look, I'm, I'm really proud of Studio PP. It's been a hard slog. Um, it's not been easy. And, a, and it was, it became my attention, my focus, my everything when I left sport because I needed somewhere to put, and I I quote my sports psychologist, we need to put all this energy somewhere else. (laughs) (laughs) Is that kind of how Studio PP was born? That's how it was born. And it honestly was born out of women's boot camps. I just started doing um, ladies' boot camps at the TAN here in Melbourne. And I remember when I first um, told my mum, I was like, I think I'm going to do this thing. She was like, right, this is great. 
this is awesome. And, you know, to be fair, my parents had probably seen me not in my best space for those few years. So they were like probably looking for that. They were waiting for that get up and go to come back. Um, and, you know, a few of my probably inner circle type people saw it again. So they're like, yeah, yeah, fitness, Pilates, cool. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so mum was like, you know, I know women. And women know women. Your mum's amazing, yeah, by we'll the way. Come, yeah, we'll come. And we will come. Number you know, one. Um, you know, build it and they will come. So I went from doing, you know, two mums groups a week at the TAN to having 25 women's groups. And I was like, shit, there's really something to this. And I was recovering myself. Like I couldn't do half the moves I was teaching. I was so injured myself. But what I realised and I guess what I, I worked out through this whole process is that I'm, I was still a good coach. Um, and and you'd, I didn't have to be able to do everything in able to help other pe- inspire other people to be able to find it and do it in themselves. Um, and that and that's and through my whole training experience, I mean, when I was a professional athlete, I killed myself like physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, kind of like running a business. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I took it to the nth degree, and I, and and it, and the sport ended up killing me. It really did. It like I just I wasn't built for sport. I mentally had it in me. I really think mentally I was born to be an athlete, but physically, like I I kind of just got like no offence, mum and dad, but like got the genetics of like a potato. So I just <laughs> didn't really have like a lot to work with. And and even now, like modern day coaching, sports coaching, they wouldn't scout me because I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm hypermobile. My body doesn't have good range in certain areas, but I was, I was just a fucking good snowboarder. And passion, you're <laughs> and all passionate. heart. I'm all yeah. heart. And it's the same in my business. Like, like a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of, probably a lot of business people, sometimes you don't know what the fuck you're doing, but you're having more of a crack than the average person. And that will get you further every time. So, so that's, the, you know, PP literally just came out of that alone. So with, with the rise of PP, I feel like you're, you've also, and you might hate this word, I, you'll tell me if you do, but you've become like this wellness celebrity. You've become this, <laughs> you know, an ambassador of health and wellness. Like mm. you're an ambassador for awesome brands and you, you know, we were just talking about stuff you're doing soon for other like companies before this even started. And I think... Um, you even yourself, like I was watching the Logies and you put up on your Insta story like all the people at the Logies that you train and I'm like, holy shit, this girl is like, is it weird? Is it weird to like be part of that? So you've got this kind of like wellness situation but then you've kind of got this like, you've got this profile and how do you cope with that? Does it feel weird? Like... Um, I mean, no, not really. I've never really thought about it like that, but um, it just feels right. Like I yeah. don't know what the right answer is, but um, I, I think it's like you and I, we get along so well because we are so similar and we believe our values are so aligned. So I think that's the same, I guess, in any kind of business and it just seems funny because I, I you know, essentially train certain people or I'm personal trainer or Pilates instructor, but it's, I think it's like in any business, um, you know, you attract what you put out there, you get back. Totally. And I'm, I'm very open and honest about our method. And we, uh, you know, we openly promote at Studio PP um, long-term personal engagement, not short-term, mm-hmm. you know, superficial bullshit, yeah. <laughs> essentially. Like we're not a quick fix. We're not a 28-day challenge. We're not about, you know, <laughs> Instagram and all of that. It's uh, Obviously we use all of that as a business tool, but essentially like at the heart and the root and the core of the business is about, it, it's called PP. So PP stands for premium performance. It's about being the most premium version of yourself, performing at your best, whatever that may look like or feel like to you 
personally. It's like personal power, personal performance, premium performance. I just, I love that idea of that little element of premium. It's like premium economy. You know, <laughs> I love it's it. It's just like a slight upgrade, upgrade. on yourself. Yeah, up your Which we your all life. want. Yeah. Everyone totally. wants an upgrade. Everyone wants an upgrade. And that's, and that's, I think that's a big part of what we do. And I, I like to say to people like, I don't, like, you know, everyone goes, oh, you're a personal trainer. You do exercise. And I'm like, yeah, I exercise mind, body and spirit. Yes. <laughs> I read that on your website in the about so, section. <laughs> yeah. So I just, like, I, I think we exercise people a lot in a lot of different facets of their life. And that's why I think maybe a lot of those high achieving, high profile people are attracted to our method and what we do because we can relate on those levels. And a lot of my trainers have, have come from sport and they've come from, you know, performance backgrounds. They get it. I also think Pilates is friggin' hard. And so you've got to have a little <laughs> bit of that like A-type in you. And one yeah, thing, it's true. I'm loving my 9.30 class with you on Fridays, but you check in. I, it loves you. With, it ev- loves you. with everyone though, you'll check in and be like, how are you feeling? Tell me about your body. Quickly, you'll yes. make time for every single person. Yeah. Th- that's an experience that I haven't experienced in other like spaces before mm. and, and I know even I teach yoga and mm. you don't, you, you're like, g'day guys, we're going to do yoga today, this is the theme, mm. this is what we're going to work towards this peak pose and and I'll be like at the start when I'm checking in, I'm like, we're we working with any injuries but like you get in there, get in the space, make eye contact, make and, and being a new person to Pilates, like make people feel comfortable in your space. It's very oh, safe. It's very healing. A, it's a, meant to be non-intimidating. I think there's so, so much intimidation around health and fitness. And I I, oh, yeah. I mean, I, I went from being a professional athlete to having to start again. Like my body, I had to start from square yeah. zero and I learned what it felt like to start again. And it was totally. an intimidating, overwhelming horrendous experience. And I think so many people can relate to that because whether they've, you know, put on weight or they've let themselves go, they've had trauma or they've had something happen to them or they've had an injury or they're coming back, you know, they've finally got their kids out of the house, their empty nest, whatever it may be, and they're coming back to themselves, Mm. not just physically but mentally, emotionally, spiritually, whatever that may be. Like I think we're really good at that, that starting point, whatever that may be for people. Are you allowed to talk about what's new for PP? Sure. I mean, to a point. Yeah, yeah, yeah yes. Uh, we are it. we are expanding yes. and we're opening. Yes. yes. <laughs> so I'm insane. <laughs> so people that live interstate or potentially overseas listening to this, PP in, is in South Yarra currently, so that's a cool part of Melbourne. Mm-hmm. What's next? What's next? So we, we are expanding. We're, I mean, you can train if you can't come to the studio, you can train with myself online. We have an online training program. But if, uh, if you're a Melbourneite, you'll be very happy to know that we are opening a second location in about three, four months' time. Yeah. So it's very exciting. And like you were talking about sleep. Yeah. <laughs> I've had none. <laughs> oh, dude, I don't know how you do it. Mm. Okay, so, so like you said, like you, we were talking before about being a little bit like, those A-type pets that were a little bit addicted to the... Oh, it's like a drug. To the hardship. Yeah, I just, you know, it is all part of it. So we we pull each other up on that a lot, which I love because we tend to hit ourselves pretty hard. Totally. And that's my whole philosophy around wellness is... Uh, thank you. You just called me whatever you just call me a wellness something, but I uh, wellness gets thrown around too easily. But I love like all encompassing wellness is what I live for. I stand for. I'm all about it. But I'm the first person to put my hand up and say that. I am not perfect and I fuck up as well and I'm learning as much as everyone else is and I just share my knowledge and I share what I know and what I love and what resonates but it doesn't necessarily mean that I am, you know, 
<laughs> living. Perfect. But Perfect. no one is. This is a thing that everyone thinks because, and we often do talk about this. There are so many, especially in the health and wellness world. I call them dingoes. You probably call them fuckwits. I'm not sure, but there are so <laughs> many people that aren't the real deal, and they are um, pretty fake and more interested in like sponsored posts. And and we do do that for work. That's part of what we do. But like, absolutely, there are so many people that are fake. And I'm like, mate, just be real and have a real conversation. If you're gonna tell me you love me every time you see me, then why don't you actually mm. catch up and want to ever see me one-on-one when there's not cameras around, yes. you know, like or like we're at an event. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I saw it in sport as well. Yeah. Like it, it's everywhere, I guess. Absolutely. It exists, you know, across the board and I'm sure in a lot of industries. Mm. But, I mean, my like one of my mottos that I just live by is like, and this is so from sport, but like stay in your own lane. Yeah. Just stay in your own lane. Just be good at doing yeah. what you're doing and do it well. And especially like, and again, it, it's it's so transferable, n- not just at that elite level of sport, but anything. Like if you worry about what your competitors are doing, you're fucked. Yeah, totally. You know, I raced in an event where I had five other competitors in the, so our start gate was like the horse racing gate at the at the Melbourne Cup. You know, like we all so come out of. next to each other. And you're next to each other and you all pull out of the gate at the exact same time. If I'm looking at what like, Lola's doing next to me. You're I can't fucked. focus yeah, fucked, yeah. on my own line and and possibly get to the finish line first. Obviously, I have to use like you know a, a little bit of intuition and uh, you know a little bit of side eye, and I need to understand what's going on around me. But if I focus on it, no chance am I going to have my best race. So I just try to you know not get caught up in in in. There is a very much a wellness world scene. <laughs> oh, mate. <laughs> It's a joke. And, um, it's a joke. It's a joke. It's so full on. I um, but I think that's why you and I have become magnets because I was, I remember I said to you, oh fuck, I just feel sick when I do these events, and you were like, mate, like it was just this. <laughs> why you don't see me at a lot of them? Yeah. <laughs> In fact, we we went as a date to it one did, together. And I loved that actually. That was fun. I'm was actually, fun. you know, and I do. I really just enjoy it. Yeah. For what it is now, and I've, you know, you and I probably both have our businesses to a place where it's really comfortable to be able to step outside of business and go to those kind of things and really enjoy yourself. Um, and it's all part of what we do. But, um, yeah, I mean, essentially, I just, you know, I, I, you know, I have feedback. People are like, oh, you know, you know, or girls that work for me or have worked for me like, oh, yeah, yeah, she's, you know, runs a pretty tight ship, which I, I'm flattered. I'm like, yes. Yeah, man. God, that makes me happy. Like yeah. I have to learn boundaries, you know. I, yeah. I struggle like the rest of us with boundaries. So I, I I try to live that way. I really try to stay in my own lane and just focus on what we're doing and I believe in, in our craft and what we do. And, yeah, your message is solid and it's almost like you've done a full – circle and come back to this, you've found Dharma again, you've found purpose yes. again, like what was with the snowboarding. Well said. Before, um, I have one question about dancing, but before that, um, <laughs> and I am keeping an eye on the time, I know I've got you for a certain amount of time, I, is there any, this is like just me opening up the table, mm. this is about failing, is there mm. anything like I other uh, another thing that I think you and I have bonded over is we're just so fucking vulnerable with each other Mm. and there's no bullshit. Which I love. Is there any, like, moment or speed hump or anything? Like, I know we've talked deeply about, like, the snowboarding and stuff. Is there anything where you're just like, what the fuck have I just, what's happened right now? And have you, when you've been in it, been like, have I fucked up and mm. and and kind of is basically what I'm asking is is there anything else that that you have felt like while you've been in it that is a failure 
I'm yeah, I mean, like I said, I failure is horrendous. I think a lot of us put this a negative connotation on failure. The best things in my life have come out of failure. If I didn't break my back, I wouldn't have left sport. If I didn't leave sport, I wouldn't have founded Studio PP and I wouldn't have found it. So there's there's always a silver lining. There always is. Um, I think everyone has failure and hardship in their life, but it's how you uh, how you attack it and what you do with it. Um, so when I'm in it, and it happens a lot, like in business, it's hard. Like I've, I, I often say business is harder than sport. I just, like I killed myself in sport, but it was more physical. Um, you know, business throws more elements at you. You know, you've, you've got staff members, you've got other people to think about, you've got a budget, you've got a bottom line, you've got mouths to feed, you've got to keep yourself alive. You've, I mean, for me, every time, I make so many mistakes in my business, you know, like I fuck up a lot and it's, you get really hard on yourself. Like when I first opened the business, I was like, what have I done? Like what? What have I? What oh, have I done here? On. Like, take me on. back to the tan. Take me back to the park yeah. where life was simple. Yeah. And I got paid in coffees. <laughs> you know these beautiful women that we'd hang out. You know, so different when there's responsibilities and overheads and whatever. Yeah. But without all of that, you you know, there's no challenge and you don't learn and it's not you know there's and you don't reap the rewards either because mm. when you have a good day, fuck, it's so rewarding, and and the failure goes away you know, quickly. But when you're in it, like I've had to learn, you know, to really have a toolkit of things to refer to because I think with failure or thoughts of failure, let's say, because failure looks different to fucking everyone, right? So um, what I might think see as a failure, you might see as something awesome. Um, but when you're in it, like you have to know you're in it and, and understand that you're in it and know that you're working through it. Um, because you can't come out of it quickly and you you actually can't get past it. You have to actually genuinely do the work to get through it. Um and, and understand what am I being, what am I learning? What have I what am I what is the lesson here? What can I what can I what can come out of this? Which is a really hard question to ask yourself. And I've found myself asking myself that so often. Even recently, like I'm going into it another business, you know, I've I've had a lot of personal challenges recently. Like I just and it's just it challenges you. Um, but I try not to frame things as failure. I think you just have to, everyone's going through their own shit. You just have to cup up mentalize. Totally, but you're much stronger than you give yourself credit for. And Maybe. that's I don't know. Where like I am opening the space if you do want to share anything personal. Yeah. Anything oh, I've come out of a relationship recently and that's that's a long, long term, long term relationship. And I, I mean I personally don't see it as failure because it was a wonderful relationship and like people grow apart and my partner and I literally just chose to Call it, call the shots on something where we we'd grown apart from each other, and it's it's still sad and it's still hard, and and other people frame it as a failure. This is what so right? you and I have shared a little bit of this. I yeah. feel like I've, I've been with you for a little bit of this, and I remember you saying to me, you told someone that. So so just to put put this into perspective, we're yeah. talking an eleven year marriage, uh, eight year marriage, eleven eight year, year relationship. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I remember you said you told someone, and they were like, "Why didn't you tell me sooner?" And it quickly became about them. Yes, very much so. And I'm like, holy shit, man, this girl. And I remember yeah. you went away on a trip and I just remember writing to you, you've done the work. Go and fucking yes. enjoy yourself. And you have like. You're such a cheerleader. But testament to you, like I think, and when you mentioned that you were comfortable to potentially touch on this. I think other people aren't comfortable sitting in failure. That's a big one. So yeah. it's really hard when you, you, you get vulnerable enough to share 
what may be framed as a failure or something that's happened to you. It's 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 that other people aren't very good at holding space mm. when someone else is in failure or in a hardship. You know, I think that's what people really struggle with. And then how you frame it makes them uncomfortable. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but so I guess like when I fell over at the Olympics. Yeah. Like uh, the you know the backlash yeah. from that was hot. That was yeah. hard because people were like oh. It's, no one focused on the fact that I'd qualify for the Olympics. All but, I could but, focus on was that I'd fallen over at the Olympics. This is where I think like almost Aussies love like finding that because of the tall poppy thing Isn't and it? they kind of tap it into it. Right. Yeah. And I think the reason why I just wanted to touch on the heart stuff is because mm. Lou was your coach for a while, right? Yeah, yeah. And so like you would have experienced all of that, those emotions of competing. And oh, we went through so many milestones together. You to, got married on top the, of a mountain, uh, right? Yeah. And you yeah. wore gumboots. Yes. You're uh, officially my hero. <laughs> <laughs> Did people yeah. have to ski and snowboard? Yeah, everyone snowboarded to the oh, ceremony. Amazing, amazing. So I mean, your life is a movie. That is a movie oh, Hilarious. <laughs> That's what I said. There's no failure in all of this. It's like this is, and that was the, the most wonderful time of our lives. And we went through so many milestones and, you know, we probably just got to a point where there was not not as much excitement anymore in our life because we've been through so many things and and we change you know and we and people do grow apart and and people see that as a failure it's like when people lose friends later in life I've I feel a lot of people are talking to me about that recently maybe because I've 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 come out of a long-term relationship and people want to talk to me about either their relationships or their friendships that they've fallen through and things like that but it's things happen for a reason people things do um, live their course. Is that the right way of the, saying it? Yeah, yeah, and there's a beautiful, what you've said is beautiful because what you shared was epic. It was awesome. It made you who you are today. Yeah. No, seriously. And and I think people find it weird when I'm like, especially when I first start dating a guy, I'm like, oh, I, I, like I'm really wrapped that I had these past experiences and these past, right? because they've helped me become the person that you're from meeting today. Friends, You learn the best yeah. lessons from the bad boyfriends. But even like beautiful ones and beautiful yes. experiences. Yes, I was with someone I, you know, we had engagement rings designed, you know, oh. and, and it was that beautiful like, but I, there was a point where I was like, wow, like, and we both realised that our trajectories were very different. different. Totally. And I think... That's what I like. That's where you blow me away. You can sit in the shit, you can feel shit, and still hold love for somebody that you know the oh, dynamic yeah. is going to change. And I mean, it makes me bring up um, one of your heroes, which is Gwyneth. Oh, oh, you know, and that conscious uncoupling kind of style. You Very know, much where you so. Can Absolutely. Hold space for someone. I'm mm. sure, like, you're always going to be like, fuck, I love Lou. But mm. it's also like, you love yourself enough to go, hang on. Self-preservation, yeah. you know, I just think it's a challenging one. I work on it with a lot of my clients. It's that whole, f- you know, fit your air mask before you fit others. It's you, you, if you can't live comfortably in your own space and give back to you, then you're not you're not serving anyone else. You're incredible. Like, so actually, like, I'm, I know I'm having a massive gush over you right now. The but feeling like, is mutual. The, the, the last thing I want to say is, is it true that you oh, studied God. musical theatre and dance? <laughs> You went down a Google rabbit hole, my friend. Um, There's no business like show business. I did study musical theatre, drama, dance. That's what I was doing. Yeah, College of the Arts and Deakin for a couple of years. And then I, uh, so performance is my background. I loved it. I studied dance for 15 years and I think, you know, because some people are like, oh, snowboarding to Pilates. You should shoot a TV show. Seems strange. I'm king. 100%. 100%. Like simple life but healthy, stylish. Can you? Yes! <laughs> I was like, you do the cooking, I'll do the movement. Do we'll it, meet in the middle it. and we'll meditate so and we'll good. work through We'll just work through our shit together. So good. It'll be so entertaining. 
Uh, I can't thank you enough. Like I can't. Today has been... I was so nervous coming into you're, this. You're silly. You're ridiculous. Not out of I this. was nervous. I'm so honoured to Did, be on your podcast. But I'm I'm blown away that, like, shit hit the fan for you at 24 years old. Like, your dream was pretty much shattered. Let's call a spade a spade. Sure. You've come round you've, and you've constantly, and I, I'm so grateful that you shared about your relationship stuff because people think, oh, I'll get through that hurdle and then my life's going to be perfect forever. It's like, no. There's always hurdles. There's always hurdles. And I'm, I bet we're even just opening the next space. Like mm. I'm sure you've had to sit in like uncomfortable meetings where people have got dollar signs on your head, you know, like. It's hard. It's so challenging. Yeah, constantly being challenged, I've realised. But clearly I was put on this planet to do that. I don't know. And like I said, I, I'm, I'm very addicted to the, I'm aware of it, <laughs> the busy and the doing and the, and, the, and the giving. I love it. I really, really, really enjoy it. So what's your, what's your one takeaway for someone listening going, okay, I obviously can't be an Olympic snowboard, <laughs> but... Um, no, and, and, and I know, sorry, and I, I, I don't mean to refer to that so much. You're not, I, am, I, that's, I force that. Oh, <laughs> you, I, I love I, it. I, I don't even like talking about it, but I'm, I'm so far removed from that person that I used to, I'm so not an athlete these days, you know. I'm, um, so it's very much about, um, I, you know, and you and I have spoken about this before, like my favourite thing is, is, you know, the one percenters. I always talk about the one percenters. Um, what one percent are you giving back to yourself daily, like either on the daily, on monthly, weekly, on the hour? What is it? Because you know they're the things that add up, and they're the things that count, and they're not the things that should be overlooked. And it's the things that we do consistently that make a difference in our lives. So I think without that, that that um, can you share a few of your one percenters? Sure. Um, like, so for me, a bit of routine is I can't manage without it, mm, you know. Same. So, I'm hearing you. Um, my one percenters and my non-negotiables are kind of the same thing. Like I talk about them a lot in my speech, like when I do speaking work um, or like coaching work is um, like what are your non-negotiables because that will set everything else up for you. So for me, for example, like a non-negotiable is my Pilates, you know, my own practice that I have to give back to myself. Um I have to, uh, breath work is a big non-negotiable for oh, me. Oh, wow. Like yeah. pranayama, like controlling the yeah, way you control breathe. Yeah, control breath, you know, for stress, for anxiety, for your nervous system, for just unpacking, you know, everything. Um, definite non-negotiable for me and for a lot of my clients. Vino? Uh, love a vino, an expensive yes. glass of, of Pinot <laughs> vino is a non-negotiable. Awesome. And so people ask me all the time, like, oh, well, you know, I think people just think I drink green juice and do Pilates all day. You know, I, I work 60-hour weeks. I'm lucky if I can get two hours of Pilates in for myself a week, if if I'm lucky. So I call you the Aussie goop, like Gwyneth. <laughs> and as I'm sitting here, we're sitting in Steph's um, beautiful apartment, I can see Gwyneth's book behind you. And your you. book. Oh, little I've got sweetie! Yours here as well. Look, I've got the twenty twenty cookbook. I'm obsessed with that cauliflower pizza. I oh, tell you ya. are. <laughs> you think I've been a fan of that, that for years. years? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, no, I mean, everyone has to work out what that looks like to them. But I think everyone should have three to five non-negotiables that, um, you know, and boundaries for me. So the power of like saying no thank you is a big one for me. Like that's a, like I just have to practice it and it does not come naturally. So, you know, like little bits, little bits, little bits, little bits all the time. You just get better at it like anything. It's like a skill you can hone it. Positive, positive psychology and mindset is like a non-negotiable for me. I struggle with, um, what are we talking about, meditation, really struggle with it. But 
but affirmations and like positive psychology, like that kind of thing, totally revs me up. Love I also it. I also notice your ways will like take yourself away for a few days. Like you'll go up to the Sorrento or Port City, yes. and you'll kind of like. I know you've got had a pop up there over the summer, but you'll yeah, always I was kind of like, regrouping. Yeah, yeah, I'm, and just like yeah, you love your acai bowls, and just like you, you, you get to the beach. Like I've yeah, seen, yeah. You, you're quite take me to the most, mountain or take me to the water, and I can reset. Yeah, I think you're I've, quite good at that. You're, you're very good at that switch. You yeah, to, and look, I was, I, I, you know, I was in a professional sport most of my professional career. I I was married to my coach for a long time. I, you know, you have to have Literally. a good on and off switch. So yeah. it's like anyone I talk to about work-life balance, like you have to have a really good on and off switch and you need to know when to hit it. And I want to ask if that's something you learned from Lee. I read a quote where you were like, he teaches me the handbrake. Oh, he was my handbrake. Yeah. yeah I openly said that. Yeah. I have learnt to be a lot better at it myself these days. Yeah. But, you know, he absolutely was the yin to my yang for a long time because I am so yang. <laughs> but how cool that you've now learnt that. Sk- I'm hearing you, but how totally. cool you've learnt that skill set. <laughs> From one yang to another. Yeah. <laughs> um, ironically, you teach yin on a Wednesday yeah. and that's what I come to. <laughs> Do you know what's the that's hardest class come to. as a yoga teacher to teach because I, for I, ages I would feel, so in yin yoga you don't speak much. You get people into the pose, they hold it for anywhere between three and seven minutes and then you shut up and let them chill and listen. Lucky, I, I used to be a DJ so I love music. Yes. And I that's why, but that's why I, um, I struggled for ages with yin because I'm used to filling space but now yes. because I am comfortable with like just holding space. Mm. That's one of my favourite, obviously going to a therapist so much. It's you all, are really good at holding it for others though. I love it now. Mm. 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 Fuck, I love you. Like I really am so <laughs> glad you came on here. The feeling is so mutual. And I, I'm on it. you know, I just, I just hope that you are so proud of yourself because I'm proud of you. So I really hope you take a moment every it's now really and then. really nice. Thank you. And go, shit, I've done so well. And I cannot wait. I feel so lucky that we've met at these phases in our lives. Haven't because we? We've been in and out of each other's life yeah. for a long time. Well, we lived and, in SIDS yeah, when we first yeah, met. Exactly. So I wasn't ever in Melbourne long enough to kind of. No, it's nice to be able to share. But keep, like, keep following this girl. She's incredible and I think that Steph is one of the this health world. She is the real McCoy. So please, please just find out more about Steph because I'm a huge fan and I'm your number one fan. And, and thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thanks, Lols. I really appreciate it. Really, Big really love. enjoyed that. Big love, beauty.